it's really hard to be rejected. And publishing is full of rejection. I mean, like at every phase there is rejection. And、um, it's hard as an adult to deal with that. Welcome to the Rethink They See Reframe series podcast, where we highlight the voices and experiences of change makers working towards social equity within the South Asian community. In each episode, We interview people who are leading the way in areas such as education, healthcare, social justice, art, and entrepreneurship. I'm Arpita Sharma, your host and co-founder of Rethink Desi, a project to unpack what it means to be South Asian locally and globally. When you were growing up, did you ever consider the possibility that you could have multiple careers in your life? Well, in this week's episode, our guest, Dr. Rajani. Laroca, a physician and award-winning author of books for young people, explores just that. Get ready to learn about her journey, how she manages her time as a doctor, mom, and writer who creates meaningful books that explore various themes such as immigration, culture, identity, and STEM. Join us for an inspiring episode of the Reframe series. Born in India and raised in Kentucky. Oh, she is a graduate of Harvard and has a Harvard Medical School degree. Oh, she's been a primary care internal medicine physician at Massachusetts General Hospital since 2001. She lives in Eastern Massachusetts with her husband and two children, where she spends her time writing, practicing medicine, and co-hosting the STEM Women and Kids Lit podcast. So, in 2022, her middle. Grade novel,、um, <laughs> Red, White, and Whole, was named a Newbery Honor title, which is pretty, pretty up there and very, very exciting and amazing.、Um, so we're just so excited to have you here with us um, and um, to be able to get into this conversation with you today. Thank you so much, Arpita. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too.、Um, so. And、let me get started with our first question, which is: As a physician and author, you have a very unique perspective on the importance of talking to kids about vaccines and in STEM in general.、Um, so, I'd love to ask you: What inspired you to begin writing while also being a doctor? I mean, that's that's two amazing careers like out the door.、Um, so, would love to get your perspective. So、um, as a kid, I loved books and I loved writing. So I did a lot of writing as a kid, and I also loved math and science. And、uh, it was actually a book that inspired me to go into medicine. It was a book called、uh, "Ouch! All About Cuts and Other Hurts," and it kind of talked about all the things that happen in your body when you get a little scrape or a little scratch. And I was fascinated, and I was kind of hooked early on. And so I thought maybe I want to just keep studying this forever.、Um, so um, I wanted to go into medicine from a young age, but I also loved reading and stories and storytelling, and so、um, I kept writing through、um, middle school and high school. I took a creative writing class in high school, in which I told my teacher, "I love writing, but I don't think this is going to be my career. I really want to go into medicine." And he said something to me that changed my life. He said, "Who says you have to choose?" And he brought in these books、uh, the next day that were written by authors who happened to be doctors, and so that planted a seed in my head. And I thought, okay, maybe someday I'll come back. So then I went to college and I wrote some more. But then I entered medical school, and I mean, there was just too much to stuff into my head to possibly be writing at that time. So I stopped writing,、um, 
I went through medical school and residency, and then I had kids pretty soon after that. So that was, those were the years when there was really not time for writing in my life. Um, but then uh, in 2011, when my kids were a little bit older and I'd been practicing medicine for a while, um, I thought about how to do something creative just for me. And so then I started taking classes, uh, writing classes again, just online at first and then in person. And um, I met fellow writers and I shared my work with them and they shared theirs with me. And then that was the hook for me was that once I met other people who were writing, it encouraged me to keep going. And initially it was not, uh, it was just for me. I did not intend to be published. But then after a couple of years of writing, um, it became clear that I wanted to write for kids because I think that my voice kind of naturally fell there. But also I recognized that the books that made the biggest difference in my life were the ones that I read when I was a kid. And so I wanted to write for kids and uh, I thought, if I want anybody other than my own children to read these books, I better try to get published. And so that's how that started. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. And, um, and the fact that someone actually like kind of gave you that token of knowledge of like, you don't have to be limited in your, uh, in your lifetime of to just do one thing that you can do multiple things. That's a pretty, that's a pretty powerful thing. And it's really seems to have impacted your life in a big way. Absolutely. You know, I will tell you at the time, all of the doctors who were authors were men and most of them were white men and they were all white men and some of them were dead white men, so, which is not surprising, but that's kind of what we had access to at the time, what my teacher had access to as well. Um, but that didn't dissuade me. Um, so uh, that was uh, it was just very interesting. And I loved the idea of being able to return to other things you love at a different time in your life. Yeah, I think that's been that's been quite powerful um, for me. And I think um, growing up, I I also didn't know that. And it's only been and as an adult, um, kind of getting the getting the opportunities and beginning working to suddenly realize, oh, there's so many different pathways to explore in a career and you really get to design your life the way that you desire to. And it's not limited by kind of these cookie cutter boxes that have been laid out for you. Absolutely. <laughs> and I will say that medicine, um, you know, the field of medicine does encourage other pursuits. I think that almost everyone I went to medical school with had something else that they were really interested in that they continued to pursue, and especially things in the arts. There were many, many people who were musically oriented in medical school, including me. Um, and then I do think that a lot of people in medicine end up writing at some point uh, in their lives as well. M most of them, I would say, at least those of us who work, I, I am an, an internal medicine doctor. Those of us who are doctors for adults tend to write for adults too. So I think I'm a little bit odd in that way but <laughs> that's okay it's good being odd yeah so I mean everyone has their unique strengths and the fact that you are very intentional about your approach uh, is it also kind of is opening up a different doorway so um, it's it's wonderful that you are pursuing your passions um, kind of in line with that question though is what's been kind of the most challenging part of writing for you and and really even exploring this writing part of yourself, because it's not something that um, I would expect, you know, it's like a career outside of a career uh, almost. And so it, it takes a lot of um, 
it takes a lot of being proactive in order to pursue it in your spare time. And sometimes it might even be in conflict with kind of the work that might be happening um, in, you know, in our normal work environments. Um, so I'd love to hear about that. So some of the challenges are creative in that when you first start doing something, um, what you do is not that good. <laughs> so initially when I went back to writing, I was like, okay, I mean, like, this is not particularly excellent. But the more I did it, the better I got. So I think that I mean, and this this happens now, even after years of writing and many books published and many more, you know, coming in the pipeline, um, that first draft can be hard because the, the gap between what you have and what you want it to be can seem just insurmountable sometimes. So that was hard at first. Um, and that's just something you learn to get comfortable with, right? Or if you don't get comfortable with, you you just learn to push past it and say, it's going to get better. Like, it'll be fine. And actually, honestly, you know, in retrospect, you look back at what you wrote that you think is so terrible and it's not that terrible. There's still stuff in there that is good. So you can, you can salvage it. Um, the other aspect to it that was challenging uh, was part of, you know, publishing, which is as a reasonably successful human being, right. Who like went to schools and got residency programs and, you know, has a family and, you know, found a life partner, that kind of thing. It's really hard to be rejected and publishing is full of rejection. I and mean, like at every phase there is rejection and um, it's hard as an adult to deal with that. So that was uh, eye opening. And in many ways, I was really glad that my children saw me getting rejected over and over again, and then just kind of trying some more. Uh, I think that a lot of times we talk to kids about trying even when it's hard, and even when people say no, keep trying. Um, but it's not that easy to put into practice. And so I'm glad that my children saw me get told no, so many times, uncountable numbers of times, until I finally got to the place where my work was good enough, or it found the right person and the right person said, yes, I see what this is about. Yes, we want to publish this. So that was hard. And then the other thing that is hard, um, that is still hard to this day is um, waiting because there's a lot of waiting in publishing too. So uh, you can write a book, uh, somebody can say, yes, I want it. This would be great. And it's still years before it comes out. So uh, in the meantime, you have to be busy with other things. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine because uh, so so we um, in one of the previous seasons, we had someone who was a school teacher and came on um, and was also writing children's books. And um, I think there's what I what I gathered kind of from from these stories was just there. It's such an entrepreneurial venture um, to do in the first place. And and in addition to that, um, it's often difficult when you you are also uh, coming to challenging yourself with the identity of being a writer to then to then face that kind of um, criticism or rejection because you're almost looking for that external validation in order to prove to yourself that you're worthy of of that title and if it doesn't come then uh, you're kind of forced to grapple with the gap between where you are and where you desire to be. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. But um, it's good. I think it's good for us to get told no every once in a while. So in addition to kind of all of this writing and being a doctor, you are also the co-host of the podcast STEM Women in Kidlit, which explores the connection between art and science, as well as the connection between STEM and children's literature. Um, can you share some of the insights and connections and how they can enhance children's learning experiences? Um, and by the way, listen to the podcast episode, um, the most recent one that came out, so engaging. And I just loved listening to authors kind of talk about um, how, what inspired them to become writers as well, and especially talking about STEM. So folks, I would highly recommend checking out. Thank you. You know, what's really interesting is that the idea for the podcast came from uh, a conversation I had with a fellow author who is um, in the field of entomology, so studying bugs. And uh, we were at a conference and she looked around and she was like, you know how many people, you know how many women in here have STEM backgrounds and now they're in Kidlet? And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. And then we just kind of rattled off half a dozen right there. And she's like, and I know there are tons more. And I was like, that's really interesting. So she was really, Artemis, my, um, uh, my co-host, was really the impetus behind all of this. And she said, okay, we should do this. We should really do it. And so we did. Um, and I, what I found really interesting is that, so some of the women we interviewed, so all of them have STEM, STEM backgrounds. They either um, were educated in the STEM field or worked in a STEM field, and then now are uh, writers uh, or illustrators of uh, books for children. And um, uh, what was interesting is that there are a lot of us, right? But um, what was, you know, and everyone had a different story about what they loved about the STEM field they were in. Some people continue to work in that field. Some people have not, are not working in that field anymore. Some people are writing books about STEM topics for kids and some people are not. So it all, it was like a whole variety of people, which I think is really interesting in and of itself. And, um, but I do think that uh, a lot of people, what a lot of people have in common uh, is that there's a certain amount of discipline that is required to be in a STEM field. And that same discipline can be applied to artistic fields, wh whatever you're writing about. And so I found that really interesting. And I do, I do think that that's true as well. And then the other thing that um, at least I personally think is that there's a certain amount of intuition and art to being in a STEM field that we don't always appreciate. And that's, but that's really crucial. Like, you know, the difference between um, a doctor that is good and a doctor that is great is something that is often indefinable, right? It's something about relating to people and being able to listen to them and understand what they're really saying. Uh, and then put that in the context of science and what we can do. Um, so uh, I think that uh, STEM and writing are very complementary to each other. They can help enhance each other. And uh, at least for me, uh, as somebody who has loved science and math from the very beginning, uh, STEM, you know, science and math topics are a source of wonder for me. And that is where a lot of my book uh, ideas come from is wonder and joy. Wonder and joy. Wow. That's such a, that's, that's such a thought provoking concept that, um, the idea of being one, being able to apply kind of the discipline. And it's it's also seeing approaching kind of medicine as a skill set that you have. And then these other skill sets of connection, listening, empathy, 
um, that you bring to the table as well as an, in terms of being a human being and being able to uh, connect those pieces together. Um, and yeah, and, and what a wonderful way that you've been able to approach that in, um, in connecting all of these different parts of yourself in both the work that you do as a doctor, but also connecting with other, uh, other folks who are in STEM fields, who are trying to push forward and connect with the youth of our generation and, um, and kind of um, teach them and get them excited and bring them the joy and wonder that you feel. Thanks. Uh, that's the idea. <laughs> no, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> so many times to say wonder. Um, so um, getting, um, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but in balancing a career as a working physician um, with being a prolific writer, you've, you are publishing, I think, six books this year, um, which is crazy. Um, and you are also, uh, you know, an award-winning um, book writer for, for young adults. And so um, that's, that's quite challenging. Um, can you share some of the strategies or tips on how you manage um, to, to do so much writing and how, um, how do you find the inspiration and carve out the, uh, the time for writing amidst your busy schedule? So when I first started writing, it was just for me. And uh, when you love something, you always find time for it, right? So uh, my kids were younger, they were in the house. I mean, they were in school, but um, so I would just fit in writing whenever I could. I would write when I was parked in the parking lot waiting for to pick them up from school. I would uh, write in the lobby when they were taking their piano lesson. I would wake up early and write, or I would stay up late and write, and I would just find pockets of time. And um, And then I just, you know, I also... I have a really supportive family. My husband and, and my kids are great. So um, I would, when I started um, making writer friends, we would have critique groups. I would say, this night I'm going to be away because I have to go do this. And they were always great about it. But it helps to have um, uh, a network of friends who are also interested in the same thing and to have regular meetings because then those are a little mini deadlines. So you say, okay, I want to make sure I have this ready by then or at least a couple of chapters ready by then. Uh, so that was, that's always helpful. Um, and then, you know, my kids got older and they got busier. And so there was more time, right? They got into high school and basically after we cleaned up from dinner, they would go up and do their homework and my husband would work and I would work. So um, it became a little bit easier. And um, now that, uh, you know, I've got a lot of books published, I will have 15 by the end of this year. Um, there's a lot more travel in my life, uh, both for school visits and also uh, for conferences. And uh, so it, it gets a little bit harder because with all that travel, I mean, there's some writing that I can do, but it's not like the old days of kind of looking out the window and saying, well, what, what's, you know, what would I, what do I want to dream up today? Um, there are a lot more deadlines and kind of things that I know I have to get things done by. So um, it changes a little bit of the equation. Um, I think that, you know, so I think it's good that I'm still working as a doctor because those days I know I have to focus on the patient in front of me, which I think is good because then my subconscious can do whatever it's going to do and figure out kind of story problems that I'm not directly thinking about at the moment. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I have to put things on my calendar and say, these are the hours I'm going to work on this project. 
and um, then I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to work on something else. So uh, it helps for me to make an appointment with myself, um, just to put it on a calendar so I know uh, what I intend to do. And then um, uh, the other thing I will say is that as any kind of creative person, it's important to live your life. It's important to go out and do things that have nothing to do with the thing you're trying to create so that you can, your brain can get a rest and you can be a real person. And then it's kind of surprising sometimes what happens creatively when you do that. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like, um, it sounds like you spend kind of, a, um, time really thinking about this, the structure, but it's also sounds like it's changed a lot um, in terms of the seasons of your life. So, um, when you're, when you're a mother to young children, it kind of wanes, but then when you had the, um, you had the space to, to write again, as your children were growing and they were working on their own kind of homework and studying, um, you were able to get that time back. And, um, and so, and that writing that you've done before is now um, kind of um, that, that filled the space. And currently um, it's like ebbing again, uh, as you're doing more conference travel and, and working, but um, you've really been able to think about how to chunk out your time so that you are very clear about how you are spending it when you can. Um, that's that's really helpful, I think, advice for for many folks who might be trying to juggle you know, multiple different pathways that they want to go down. Um, I'd I'd love to know, so do you have any advice for aspiring authors? And I think especially those who are interested in writing books in STEM or exploring maybe even their own cultural backgrounds in their writing, um, you know, especially as South Asians um, who um, we often are, if we are, you know, growing up in the U.S., may, we may not necessarily have like the, the role models laid out for us. I think it's it's becoming much more these days as as we're um, as we're getting folks like you who are writing, as well as others um, who are kind of delving into their different creative uh, fields and putting material out there for us to consume. Um, but it is something that I think we, um, I think all immigrants face the struggle of trying to find those role models. And so, um, and, and developing the self-confidence to become a role model themselves when they don't have an example of what it can look like. Um, so I'd love your perspective on that. Yeah, so, um, you know, my, so some of my advice I think is just true for everybody, which is read the things that you want to write, right? Read in that category and understand what uh, appeals to kids and what, you know, publishing is trying to put out there right now. That's not to say that you can't write something whatever you write is going to be different from whatever is already out there, but it's important to understand kind of the world that you're entering. So, um, you know, this is true for a lot of people. You think about the books that you read as when you were a kid, or, you know, if you're a parent, you think about the books that you read to your kids when they were little, like a long time ago. Those are not necessarily the books that are out right now. So read current books um, and read widely. Like you don't have to only read the things that you're interested in writing, read all kinds of stuff. I think that's really helpful um, and then um, I would say take some writing classes. Even if you have a background in writing, it helps to focus on the type of writing that you're really interested in. And it's also a way to meet other writers, which I think is 
very important. So for me, I, I don't think I could get anything done without my critique partners. And I met them through writing classes and I met them through a writing community. There's an organiz organization called uh, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, SCBWI, and I'm a member and I met a lot of people through that. So that's really helpful. And they're helpful both with um, craft, so helping improve my writing, but also with kind of navigating the world of publishing, which is a little bit bizarre, I will tell you. Um, and uh, so do that. So, you know, read a lot, study writing, and then write. There are many things that you can do that are writing adjacent that are not actually writing, but get some words on a page and don't worry about whether it's good or bad. And um, the other thing I would say is finish something. <laughs> it's also like very easy to just keep working on the same thing over and over again and never actually complete it. Um, but if you want somebody else to read it, you have to finish it first. And then the last thing I will say in terms of kind of publishing in general is um, to to make sure you send it to somebody. Like you have to, you know, in traditional publishing, you need an agent. So like send it out to agents and try and get an agent. Uh, in terms of kind of cultural specific writing, I would just say, think about the moments in your life and the things in your life that are most important and write about them with specificity, right? Because it is when you are specific that you can extrapolate to the universal and with a lot of sensory detail. Those are the things that really make things, make writing come alive for people, even for people who do not share that experience. So, um, uh, and write about the things you care about. I, I think that uh, if there is a story that won't let you go, but it keeps coming up over and over again, you clearly need to be writing that story. And um, when I first started writing, I was worried that I would run out of ideas. But then once I started writing, I realized I have so many ideas. I'm never going to be able to write all of these. I need to pick and choose. But uh, that's that's good. You know, I think it's it's kind of like unlocking a treasure chest and it's overflowing with with things and those things are ideas and feelings and um those are the things that you want to write about yeah um that's super helpful to know and i think um this idea of also um i think you covered a couple of really great pointers here one was being able to connect to the right groups and environments that can help to support your and foster your growth um and two um, just even thinking about um, in specific details what um, what it is that you have to share with the world or what is the thing that might be a connection point for, for folks. So thank you. That's really valuable. Um, the other part of this um, I'd love to get into is how do you engage children in the discussion around science and STEM topics through your books? Um, and are there any particular... Um, strategies or techniques that you use to make these subjects more accessible and interesting to young readers, right? Because there's, I think, um, there's general storybook writing, and then there's storybook writing that's specific to actually engaging them in the wonder and joy of STEM, as you were sharing earlier. Yeah, so, okay, so what I will say is that for me, um, STEM topics almost always find their way into my books, even my fiction books. Like I just, I just love it. So um, for example, 
my first picture book is called Seven Golden Rings, A Tale of Music and Math. And it is basically, it reads like a, a folk tale set in ancient India, but um, in it, there is a kind of a math puzzle and an explanation of binary numbers. So, but if you are a six-year-old, you don't need to know anything about binary numbers. Actually, if you're a 36-year-old or a 66-year-old, you don't need to know anything about binary numbers in order to read the book. But if you're interested, you can read the explanation at the end about how the solution to the puzzle is related to binary numbers. And it's just a natural part of the world because to me, math and science are just a natural part of the world. You don't have to be aware of them, but if you are aware of them, it adds another layer of fun to kind of experiencing the world. Um, my first nonfiction science picture book, The Secret Code Inside You, all about your DNA, it is, so actually what's really interesting, I think, is that all of my nonfiction science books are in second person. So they address the reader. So um, The Secret Code Inside You kind of asks, you know, why aren't you fuzzy like a bear, right? Uh, and, you know, why aren't you buzzy like a bee, that kind of thing. And uh, so it engages kids because it's asking them, you, the reader, why aren't you like this? Right. And then it asks a, bother, a bunch of other questions like, why is it that maybe you look like your mom or your dad or you don't or your cousin or your grandma? You know, those kinds of things. And then it puts in the explanation of, you know, the secret code inside you. It's DNA. And then the last part of the book is. Um, uh, talks about how DNA determines lots of things about us, but there are lots of things it doesn't determine, right? It um, it makes the color of your eyes, but you choose what you look at, right? Um, and it may make you short or tall, but you choose how to use your muscles, right? And uh, so uh, that's the other part that I wanted kids to understand is that not all of this stuff is predetermined, that we make choices that also make us who we are. So similarly, in uh, my book, uh, Vaccine is Like a Memory, um, I start off with a question, which is, do you remember the last time you were sick, right? Maybe you had like a cold or stomach ache or whatever. But then I say, do you remember every time you've been sick? And even if you don't, your body does. And then I talk about how with, you know, germs make you sick, you can't really see them with just your eyes but then your body recognizes something that isn't you and it kind of fights it off and then you can't get sick with that specific thing. And then I launch into the whole history of vaccines and how they work. Um, and then similarly, uh, my next uh, nonfiction STEM picture book, uh, Your One and Only Heart, uh, talks about the human heart and it's written in poetry and it's um, uh, about contrasting characteristics of the human heart so that it is singular and cooperative. It is electric and muscular. It is constant and variable. Uh, and all these things seem to be at odds, odds with each other, but it's but all these aspects of the heart are important. And what's really fun is that um, all of these things are also true about a kid. So it's also in second person and it's also kind of asking questions um, and then kind of giving answers in an entertaining way. But um, not to go on too long, but I will say that all of my books, I mean, not all of my books, almost all of my books have STEM in them. Um, and sometimes it's sneaky, like it's seven golden rings, but oh, there's a math puzzle. Um, uh, Bracelets for Venus Brothers is about very early math and uh, kind of uh, patterns, which is very important. And then um, Red, White and Whole, is, there's a whole lot of biology in that. Red, white, and whole, one of the reasons for that title is that it's uh, about blood, red blood cells, white blood cells, and whole blood. 
So there's all kinds of stuff that is kind of, you know, in my books. And then Much Ado About Baseball features literally children solving math puzzles, like for fun. So, uh, you know, it's to me, the, the way to get kids interested in STEM is that to acknowledge that kids are already interested in STEM. They're interested in animals. They're interested in nature and the world around them. They're interested in themselves. So the key is to just then take that interest and wonder and joy and say, well, here's why it's so cool. And here's another reason why it's even cooler than you thought it was. Oh my God, that's that sounds so good and awesome. And now I want to read all these books. Um, <laughs> don't have kids, but I will enjoy reading them. Um, for everyone, truly. <laughs> kids books are for everyone. <laughs> I And we're translating these into like Hindi or other languages and then putting them out more internationally because I think um, it's, it's so amazing um, that kind of we have access to you, but there are people all over the world that might benefit from have, being able to engage in these conversations. You know, the answer to that is a complicated one because we do try to get um, people to translate the books into other languages. And sometimes publishers want to, and like, you know, other publishers in other countries, and sometimes they don't. So, um, but, you know, the good news is that there's always time. So if anybody publishes books in Hindi and is interested, contact my agent. We can we can go from there. Um, yeah. So it's 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 always funny. It's quirky how that happens. But yeah, I mean, I think it would be fantastic. Um, what's really interesting is that uh, The Secret Code Inside You is written in, in rhyme, which I think is, you know, fascinating. But I do believe there's at least one foreign translation. I have not seen it yet. But it's like, I'm curious to know whether it rhymes in that other language as well. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. that would be super interesting. I, I'm going to check this book out for myself. <laughs> um, so kind of for our last question uh, for today, I'd love to end by asking you, looking ahead, what are your aspirations and um, or goals for the future for your writing career? And are there any specific topics um, or themes that you would like to explore in upcoming works? Um, and if folks want to get in touch with you and purchase some of your books, where can they do that? Sure. Okay. So I'll answer that last bit first. It's, um, they can go to my website, www.rajanilaraka.com, R-A-J-A-N-I-L-A-R-O-C-C-A.com. That's the easiest place to find out all about my books and where to buy them. And um, what are my goals? Okay. So, Okay, my overall goal is to continue to write books that I care about, that are meaningful to me. Um, and because they're meaningful to me, I think they might be meaningful to other people. So some of them explore themes of um, immigration and culture and identity. And some of them uh, explore themes of STEM and nonfiction. Um, and some of them are just crazy stories, just funny stories of people like me um, having adventures. And I think all of those kinds of things are important, right? We all need to see versions of us uh, doing all kinds of things. And um, the other goal I have is to write for multiple age groups. So right now I've written picture books and I've written middle grade novels. So that's usually uh, ages eight to 13 or 14. Um, but I'm right now working on a YA novel and um, I um, might be working on a chapter book. And so there's all kinds of interesting things going on there. Um, and I'm really lucky because I, um, my publishers um, trust me. And so I've got a bunch of books um, that are coming up that are um, different from what I've written before. I have 
a book, uh, a fantasy, a middle grade fantasy coming next year called Sona and the Golden Beasts. And it has to do with an Indian inspired fantasy world where um, people cast magic through music, but it also has to do with colonialism and who gets to tell history. So that's, I'm really excited about that because it's fun, it's an adventure, but it also considers some serious questions about what do you, what, how do you deal with the world that is like this? Um, and um, yeah, and I'm excited about uh, this YA novel that I'm writing, uh, that I'm working on as well. And it's a contemporary YA. Um, so yeah, I feel like there are just lots and lots of stories that I want to tell. Um, I have an idea for a graphic novel. Who knows when that's going to happen, but we'll see. I have to write that first. So yeah, it's 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 fun. I just want to keep going. I want to keep going um, and um, keep writing the things that interest me. And uh, I feel really fortunate that I get to tell all these kinds of stories that nobody has been limiting me to, oh, this is your lane and stay in it. And um, I just want to keep expanding it so that um, uh, all of us are inspired to write the stories that are meaningful to us. Wonderful. And I can't wait to see all of these new books that are going to come out of you um, in the future. And um, for for us to really have um, have access to this uh, in ways that we haven't been able to before. So thank you so much for joining us today. Folks, highly recommend checking out her books um, and check out the website. We will post it in the show notes below and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining us today for this conversation with our guest. If you would like to connect with our guest or check out their work, please go to the link provided in the show notes in the caption. If you learn anything from this conversation or are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is a wonderful zero cost way to support us. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on both Spotify and Apple. And on both of them, you can leave us up to a five star review. If you have any questions that you would like to ask me about the podcast or any guests you would like me to have on in future episodes, please leave them in the comments below or DM me on Instagram at our Rethink They See account. And with that, I hope you have a wonderful day, folks.